just want to pray and then we will, we will share God's word for today. Lord God, I just want to say thank you for our mothers. Thank you for those who made such great sacrifices, Lord God, to, to give us the life that we, we have now. And bless our mothers, Lord God, if they're alive, and, 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 and Lord, just cherish them, and may they know that we appreciate them. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for, for your fatherliness towards us and the way you cherish us. And we ask, Lord God, that we would be inspired by your sacrifice and our mother's sacrifice, that we might make sacrifices in order to see your kingdom come. And now, Holy Spirit, would you help me as we share God's word today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, last week, if you were here, you will know that we launched our, uh, our growing family campaign, and that was what Richard was referring to, and you should have all had one of these to, to, and take one of these away, and we will be taking up a special offering at the end of the service, but uh, that's for then. I, I really wanted to give you a little bit of feedback and, and report back about last week. We, we uh, had... Um, just a very special time. It was, it was just tremendous. You will recall if you were here how we, we, we did the who wants a tenor thing and we, we got uh, dear Ronke down here to, uh, uh, there she is, sat in the same place. Uh, and uh, Ronke came down and, and we, just, uh, we just showered her with love in the form of tenors and the more. And she was very kind and, and just sent me a little uh, email this week which I wanted to read to you and I've had permission from her to do this, and, and uh, it says here, Dear Pastor Chris, I have to begin by saying a big God bless you to you and all the Vineyard members for blessing me so immensely today. With every blessing, there is a story, and I would like to share my short story with the church. Before going to bed last night, my thought was around the week ahead and how I was going to survive the next eight days with the money I had left to do all I needed to do the coming week. I thought perhaps I could ask my boy's father if it was possible for the boys to go back and spend the next weekend with him, which meant I wouldn't have to worry about food and electricity and the such. And then I woke up this morning and remembered next Sunday is Mother's Day, so it may not be the best weekend for my kids to go back to be with their father. When you started the service and asked if anyone needed a 10 pound note, I was way at the back of the church and I was happy to put my hand up thinking that you would never notice me. I couldn't believe it when you saw me. I was shocked. You then went on to ask if there was a single parent who needed financial help. Not really thinking of what the outcome would be, I put my hand up again and then you asked me to come down to the front of church. Whilst I was walking down the stairs, I had no idea as to what was about to happen. I was shocked what happened to me. I was blessed with a total of 649 pounds and 99 pence. Woo! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I really could not believe that God had turned my mourning into dancing. I feel truly blessed, Pastor Chris, to be part of the Vineyard family. You are all very awesome. For me, this is give from a very blessed church. My boys were not with me this weekend, but I had to call them to share my testimony, and my eldest son was gobsmacked. There you are, you're gobsmacked, okay? He sat next to his mum up there. My parents in Nigeria couldn't believe it. My dad asked, did I not feel, how did I feel standing in front of the church? Uh, I said, you were all my family, and I was, there was nothing to be ashamed of. My non-Christian sister couldn't believe it. She said, praise God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. 
It feels surreal. I'm still in shock. I can't believe it happened to me. I truly feel overwhelmed by the love shown to me. And may the Lord bless all those who bless me today. And may he fill you and their pockets to overflow in Jesus' name. For me, this is gather, grow, and give. The church gathered together and got round the growth of one man, one person. I love you all at the Vineyard. Love, Ronke. We'll give Ronke a big clap. I tell you. At the second service, I must just tell you this. Uh, we had a lady called Linda uh, up here who's very much a part of the family now and but came through to us through the feed ministry and she's got a couple of boys. And uh, we did the same thing and again, people flocked forward and, and she just was, couldn't hold the money that came forward. And uh, as she was doing that, as that was happening, she kind of whispered to me, I thought she said, now I can go and buy a sunbed. A sunbed, I thought, I thought, well, I'm not going to report that back because that's really not what this is about, you know? <laughs> a sunbed. You know, truly, we, it's not a setup. When we do this, we, we honestly, we pray, we ask God to pick out the right person, and, and we, we, every time it seems to happen. Anyway, this week, Linda got back to us, and the story was actually that two weeks ago, finally, after forever, the council housed her and her boys in a two-bedroom apartment and uh, she hadn't got beds for her sons, and now she was able to go out and buy beds. Beds, that's how desperate some people find themselves. So thank God and praise Jesus and give yourself and give the Lord a big clap again. Thank you. Okay, so... uh, I want to just uh, remind you, I, I'm not going to do a full recap because there just simply isn't time, but, but just to, so that you're not completely at sea if you weren't here last week, I, I would really encourage you to watch the, podcast, the video cast or the, listen to the podcast, but, but uh, last week uh, we said a, a verse that a number of you actually emailed me and said, where was that? And that, that was really great. It was Proverbs 19, uh, verse 17, I think. You know, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what they have done. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. The poor are close to God's heart. And I, I went through, and there isn't time to go through it all again, but I went through a little bit of a, a kind of a thumbnail sketch of the history of this church, how right at its very kind of uh, beginnings, we were down on London's embankment taking hot food down to feed the rough sleepers every Sunday. And then as things, uh, tra- you know, as time went by, we, we did it in the city until the council stopped us. They said we were attracting vagrants into the city and introduced a bylaw to stop us, would you believe? Uh, we, we at that time uh, really upped our relationship with our Indian orphanages through the Bethesda missions and we, we built a whole life center there and I told you how, how when one of the phases of building for this we, we decided that uh, we would give 10% up front of the development cost to build this, this beautiful community center in, in, in India and Richard and myself and a team went out there and we opened it and that was great joy, great celebration. And then I said how a few years ago we started the feed project, how it really started very, from very small beginnings with just sort of you know, those buy one, get one free offers and, 
a colleague of mine on the staff at the time said, why don't we just ask the church to bring the extra one in? We'll just have a box by the door because there's a little bit of need beginning to appear even in St. Albans, one of the most affluent cities. In the, nine, in, in the 80s, by the way, it was the, the most affluent city in England. It is now the fifth most affluent city. Still very affluent, but there is still huge need, hidden need. And as you know, the rest, as they say, is history. This uh, feed project thing began, as I said, with just the buy one, get one free offers. Now it is a huge operation. Uh, We partner with a number of other schools and churches, 19 churches, I believe, partner with us now. And and we simply have got to to, to, uh, do more to to facilitate that because at the moment, great team under Carol Cahill, one of our staff members, uh, managing to operate out of a porter cabin, which is a sight to see, but uh, they do. And anyway, so we went on and, and we said also how, uh, you know, over the last three years, I think three years ago was the first time that somebody came to me with this particular verse, Isaiah chapter 54, um, verse, tw- uh, verse 2, it says here, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I said how, you know, over the past three years, many of you have come with that verse. It's kind of weird and uncanny. You know, we had a pastor's prayer fellowship two weeks ago, and, and um, one of our good friends, um, Pastor uh, Ant Rist from Forest Town was here, and his wife uh, unusually came, and she said, she didn't know anything about this. She came up to me and said, I've got a verse of scripture for you. Guess what it was, Isaiah 54, verse two. And I was like, oh God, I know. You know, and, you know, it was, really was a case of the Lord has been telling me for three years, and I've been very slow, I have to confess, until, it wasn't until August of last year that I really accepted the responsibility and accepted the vision that God wants us to grow and buy more property around here so that the ministry will not be held back. Uh, I was really challenged by, in Isaiah 49 verse 20, there's a little verse there where, where it says, the children who, who are coming to you start saying, we need more space, it's too small for us. And I, I was just struck by that. And so this whole kind of thing has, has kind of come to pass, and, and so now, as I said, we're going for Norway House across the road, uh, directly opposite where we are parking now, which is wonderful. And the, the, uh, a lot has happened very quickly, but our, our wonderful directors have put in a, a, an offer of 1.4 million, and now we just need to raise the money, that's all. And, uh, you know, they, they surprised me. Usually I'm sort of running ahead and they're kind of reining me back. On this occasion, I'm going, well, no. <laughs> and they're dragging me forward. But anyway, they put an offer in, and so we're still waiting to hear about that, but we need to raise the money. Our bankers are behind it, but to be frank with you, we don't really want to borrow any money. Uh, even with low interest rates, we don't want to borrow any money if we can possibly help it. So we need to raise 1.6 million pounds pretty quickly. And there's been some exciting things. I, I, I must say, I've actually been really quite touched by you know, the way that um, people have already started uh, responding to this. And, uh, and really, you know, uh, it, it's been a, a great week. I've had emails, I was gonna tell you one or two stories in just a moment, but just to sort of bring this into the present, into the, the day, I just felt that God would have me walk through uh, two Corinthians, uh, Verse eight, verses one to 15. So if you care to turn to that, if, you're, if you've got a Bible or following on your Blackberry or iPhone, or it'll go on the screen anyway. But let's have a look at this because there are some interesting parallels and some lessons and, and yeah, some principles that we can learn from in all of this. 
So what has happened here is 2 Corinthians, the Corinth church was, uh, one of the, uh, was a very large and vibrant church by all's account. It was quite an exciting place to be, you know, really, you know, really hot on the, the, the gifts of the spirit, of a lot of power ministry going on. But Paul, the apostle, being that great church father that he was and church planter, he had to, he had to move in with some governmental issues. And, and, and there were one or two things that he had to deal with. There was incest in the church. There was some immorality going on. There was various concerns like that. And you know, somebody has to say something at some time. And he stepped in. And, and actually, that, uh, that didn't really go down terribly well. You know, there was a bit of kind of, oof, who does he think he is? This kind of thing. There was kind of tension there. But at the end of the first letter to the Corinthians, which you'll find in the New Testament, Paul refers to an offering. What has happened is that the church in Jerusalem, the Jewish church, the founding church, the mother church, if you like, is now in dire straits. It, it, there is a famine in that part of the world. And suddenly, the Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, finds itself in great need. Uh, and that's interesting, really, because as we read in, in Acts chapter 6, the Jerusalem church was a very, very giving church. You know, it, it, it was a church that had a heart for the poor. They were giving away food to the Gentile widows, and they had a reputation for it. And, uh, and you know, but everyone, everyone goes through hard times, and the Jerusalem church was going through a hard time. In fact, it was pretty tough all over that area. But Paul, at the end of the first book to, of, uh, to the Corinthians, says, you know, now I, I really want you to think and pray about this. I, I really need you to, to dig deep, Corinthian church, in order to give to our brothers who are suffering. And so he kind of launches the appeal there. Now, what happens here is that this kind of grumbling carries on, as far as we can tell. And actually, the, 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 the that the offering, the appeal kind of stalled because there was kind of like, oh, you know, a few issues and who is this poor guy anyway and why should we help those Jewish Christians and, you know, we, what, are, what have they ever done for us kind of gig, you know. So all of this is a subplot, but Paul just takes it head on. You know, he, he fears God than he, more than he fears man and he just tells them the way it is. And here is some teaching, which is a follow-up really, where he basically he encourages them to look at the example of the, of the other churches. He, he, he makes comparisons. Look, this is what they're doing. How about you? You know, how about you? And, and he also encourages them to, to, to really focus on Christ, not, not, to, not to get stuck in what they will or won't do, but, but, but to see, just to look at Christ again and his sacrifice. And so that's the background to all of this. Hope that's helpful. So let's just read through it. I'm going to unpack it as I go, tell you one or two stories, and then we should hopefully finish on time. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul says this, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service to the, for the Lord's people. 
you know, that, that, the famine that was going around the Middle East extended up into Asia Minor and the Macedonian churches, the churches in Thessalonica and Berea and all the rest of it, they were having a tough time too. Now, you know, I have to say, part of my issue back in August when I was still praying about, oh God, you know, this really is, have I got to do this? You know, part of it was a recognition as a pastor, as your pastor by the grace of God, that we've been through a tough time you know, the last five years haven't been a party in the park. And this has been a tough time for us all. Some have fared better than others, but some have, have really had struggles. You know, I was delighted a couple of weeks ago when uh, one, one chap, um, I don't know whether I can see him, I don't embarrass him anyway, but he finally gets a jo- got a job. And, and, you know, when we came in 1980s, I told you in 88 what it was, there was no unemployment in St. Albans. But, you know, some of you have had to change jobs. You've been, you know, you've been made redundant and the rest of it. You know, this has been a tough time. And part of the pastoral heart of me said, oh, gosh, Lord, I, I, I really don't want to go to the church with this because this has been a tough, well, give us a couple of years and then we might be on our feet. But Paul's point and God's point, this calls for faith. This is a season where you just can't roll back and say, oh, yeah, I'll give them a few quid, you know. What do you want? What do you need? It, now, this is a, a season, a challenge, where we, where we have to call out to God, where we have to go deeper into God if we're going to be able to do this. And, uh, and so the situation here is that even though the Macedonian churches are really hurting, really hurting, they actually begged Paul. They didn't have a problem with Paul like the Corinthian church did. They said, you know, let us help. And actually, this becomes a great cause celebre for Paul because what he wants to model to the Jerusalem church is that their Gentile brothers actually do care for them, do love them. Just as we want to model to the community in St. Albans and the district and beyond that the church of Jesus Christ, where the kingdom of God is, is, is present in, in, in one of its purest forms on the face of God, says, cares for the world that Christ died for. Even though we're hurting we want to care. We want to demonstrably offer our, you know, tangible evidence of our love. And Paul picks up this, this theme as he goes on. Let's just read on a little bit. He says, and they exceeded our expectations. The Macedonian church exceeded Paul's expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. And that's interesting. You know, if I'm walking down the street and you know, there's a big issue seller or there's somebody else asking money. There's a kind of a knee-jerk reaction depending upon what mood I'm in. You know, if I'm deep in my thoughts, maybe I'll kind of, oh, whatever. But, you know, if I see that person, and Fliss is very sensitive to this, if I see that person there, she'll whisper, have you got anything to give them? And so you kind of put your hand in your pocket. I don't go to the Lord and pray about it. I just put my hand in my pocket, got a bit of change here, or chuck, you know. Often I will give the big issue guys the money but not take the magazine because I don't like the magazine very much, but that's another issue. But um, they seem to be pleased with that, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, it's kind of like a, oh, yeah, here you go. But this, this is a big thing. You know, this growing family appeal is a big deal. It's not just, oh, oh yeah, sure, uh, what do you need? The Macedonian church, they went to the Lord. and They sought God. And this is what I really want to encourage you to do. And I hope that many of you have been doing that this week and are ready for this. Seek God. Ask him about what you can do. That's what, what we first and I had to do. Uh, we already put our pledge in last week, as you saw, but, but you know, we seek God first. Don't just go, oh, well, I haven't got any money, or, oh, yeah, uh, sure, whatever, you know. You know think th- this is a challenge. This is a spiritual challenge. It's almost more important than the building, to be perfectly honest. 
This is a challenge. God, God is wanting to test our faith in this. He goes on. So, so verse six, you know, having, having sought God and, uh, sorry, verse nine, uh, where, where are we? Six. Yes, yeah, so they've sought God. They've, they've decided they're going to give this. They beg Paul to be able to be part of this great big offering, even though they're in the dire straits. Goes on to say, so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Then he speaks of the Corinthian church. He says this, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I was very struck when Ellie Mumford, the, the wife or one of our national directors came and during our celebrations last year and spoke and you know she began by commending the church and she she said you know lovely things she said we talk about you you know people talk about this church and she said you know you're a well she actually said you are a wealthy church didn't she she said you're a wealthy church you're an influential church you're you're uh, influence has extended far beyond your, your borders. Uh, you know, and it was, it was interesting. I don't go around, possibly it's a good thing, thinking that people are talking about me or us. I just do life, you know. But it appears that people have, they do talk about this church. It's probably why increasingly we're getting people wanting to come and visit us and sit in my coffee, uh, my, my office and, and drink coffee and they want counsel and advice and, and the, these are leaders and what have you. And so, you know, we have a reputation that, 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 there is, that God is doing something here, something wonderful, something special. And, uh, and now we face this challenge and, you know, it's all very well to be good at sort of you know, nine-tenths of, of, of God's grace, but what Paul is saying here, he says, you know, Corinthian church, you know, we talk about you. You're a wealthy church, you're a gifted church, you're an influential church. Now, brothers and sisters, excel in this, this gift of, uh, of giving, this grace of giving. Verse eight, he goes on, he says, I'm not commanding you, but I wanna test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnest of other, earnestness of others. I remember uh, way back in our story when Fliss and I, we still had the business and we, we, we sold up our house, we, we moved out of our house in the country, I gave my business away to my partner who had you know, six months previously been trying to kill, and just we, we moved into the inner city, into this little caretaker's flat, because God told us that that was what he wanted for us. I'll never forget, I hated Leeds. I never went to Leeds, and this was in inner city Leeds. And the, the vicar there rang me up and said, we have a, a caretaker's flat. I think God is telling me that you should come and live in it. And I went, really? Yeah, has not told me, you know. Great, thank you, you know. But I, out, of, out of politeness and courtesy, I, I went to visit, and he walked me into this uh, flat attached to a, a, a church hall it was and I walked into the lounge and I kid you not I've had two or three visions in my life I've had a few more than that to be honest but I had a vision of Jesus in the middle of the lounge and he had his arms folded and he was looking me in the face and he was laughing his head off (laughs) and I thought 
this is a setup. You've done me, you know. And I came back and I said, Fliss, I had a vision of Jesus and we've got to go and live in this caretaker's flat in the inner city. And we did that. It was a very rich time for us. But I remember the first time I went and hung out with the vicar when we arrived there. I said to him, I, 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 I was all really into you know, the sort of baptism of the Spirit and flowing in the Spirit and all the rest of it. We really, this was a whole new adventure for us. And I, and I said to him, you know, what, what, what is the, just by way of starting a conversation, I said, what do you look for in someone when, when they start to, you know, when, when God begins to quicken their heart, you know, with the life of the Spirit? And without a, without a moment's hesitation, he said, does their giving start going up? That wasn't the answer I wanted. I wanted a, an answer along the lines of the Spirit of God came down and they started to tremble and, or they pray for the sick on the street. He said, you know, does their giving go up? And that was very sort of down to earth and rather disappointing to me at the time. But you know, the, you can look as spiritual, you can sound as spiritual, you can do spiritual things, but if it isn't impacting the way you're living your life, and if it isn't impacting your pocket, well then, as Paul says of the Corinthian church, you know, we probably need to be challenged. We really do. We need to be challenged. And then Paul, <laughs> bless his heart, he really goes to, for the jugular. Verse 9, he says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, he's got you there. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He reminds them that this wonderful spiritual life that they're enjoying is actually, has been bought at an outrageous and extravagant price that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, though he was rich, he became poor so that I, you, my family, my wife, my kids can know the grace of God. And we say we are followers of Christ. We say we walk in his footsteps. We say we carry his cross and bear his wounds. We say we are his hands and mouth and ears and eyes and feet in this world. That's our understanding, always has been, of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And Paul speaks down through the centuries and speaks to us at the brink of this campaign and says to us, yeah, whatever sacrifices you are going to make, know this, know this that Christ, though he was rich, became poor for your sake, that out of his poverty, you might become rich. Oh, talk about below the belt, talk about going with the jugular, you know. It's almost what somebody wants to shout, unfair, unfair, but no. But you know that, many of you know that. This week, I, I've just had some lovely things happen. Let me just show you one or two things. So for example, uh, uh, last week, if you were here, you will know that I, I spoke about uh, a vision for 5,000, faith for 5,000. Got this lovely little email last week uh, from someone who said this, uh, Chris's vision of a community of 5,000. I pledge one pound and a prayer for each of these 5,000 over five years. I filled out my form and gift aid envelope and will put this in the pledge bucket on Sunday. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. You know, they've sought the Lord, and the Lord says, give a pound for each one of those 5,000. Give that person, and give the Lord a clap, you know? 
And then uh, if you go up to the, see, is that picture up there? If you go up to the bookstall, Joe Kent, who organized uh, our 25th anniversary art exhibition, a very gifted uh, artist, she has donated a picture. She came up to me last week very excitedly, and she's donated a picture she's just finished. It's up there on the balcony uh, by the bookstore. And she said, I, I want to auction this off. What are we going to do? Are we going to seal bids or something with that? I'm not quite sure quite how we do that practically and, and not full foul of the law, but, but go and have a look at that picture. She, she was giving that so that we can raise, uh, we can raise money. And then I, I see, is that Bruce McKinnon there in the gloom? Is it Bruce? Is that Bruce? Yeah, Bruce, stand up. Just, give, just clock this guy, because you may want to go and say hi to him afterwards. Bruce, next weekend, is running the Paris Marathon, and he has said that he's going to run that for our growing family campaign. Now, that is flipping awesome. So if you want to have a word with, with Bruce and help him achieve his goal of 2000 worth of sponsorship, have a word with him afterwards and sign that form or whatever it is. And, um, you know, also on the top of that, you know, I, a number of you have come up to me and, uh, and uh, given me pledges and gifts for this campaign already. Let's read on. There's one other story I want to tell you, but I'll save it towards the end. So pressing on then, verse 10 then, and here is my judgment about what is best for you. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so, you know, 1 Corinthians 16. Now finish the work, finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You know, the heart of this is not coercion or manipulation. The heart of it is as important as, as the size of the gift. You know, this is something that, that actually is a challenge and should give us cause for thought and probably, as it did with Phyllis and myself, make us go initially, oh my gosh. But then, as you pray it through, as you seek God's face, as you begin to listen out to him, as you, as you, you, know, as you begin to align your will and your way and the way you do life with his will and ways, what happens then is joy begins to come. Joy is the byproduct of these kind of things, and joy is, as I've often, and I'm fond of saying, it's the emotion of heaven. So as we do that, so it goes on. And then it, this is really where I want to land. Verse 13, it says here, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Hold that thought. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. The goal is equality. And what we've always said in these campaigns, and, and campaigns change, but, but this spiritual principle remains the same. God is looking for each and every one of us, whatever our resources, and you may be fortunate, you may have done very well, you may be blessed with, with considerable resources, if truth were known, but you, you, obviously you don't want to you know, flaunt that, but, but whatever our circumstances or situation, the goal is equality, and the equality comes through sacrifice. The equality comes through sacrifice. Let me just read this last little email from... 
somebody who sent this, and I've, I've, they, they want to remain anonymous, and you'll understand why. Hi, Chris, further to your email a month ago, that was when I emailed the, the members, and your address last Sunday, Jane, not her real name, and I have prayed about the growing family campaign and our role in it. We have now decided that we should definitely count ourselves in, and in order to do so, with feelings of excitement and joy, we are sacrificing our summer holidays this year. Our written pledge will be handed in next Sunday. Awesome, give that person a clap. You know, they get it. They've sought the Lord, and they're gonna make a sacrifice. And, and if you're very wealthy, I challenge you, you know, we have got 1.6 million to, rise, to raise. Maybe your gift will be very substantial, but it should make your eyes water a little bit. Your gift should make you go, ooh, gosh. Maybe I won't be able to buy that Lamborghini after all, this, you know. Maybe you have a Lamborghini and, and maybe you could auction it, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, you know, just a thought, you know. <laughs> But if you're very wealthy, what God is looking for is that, is that ouch factor. You know, if I've, I've, I've said it in all sorts of contexts. If our faith doesn't inconvenience us, we're probably not trying hard enough. Our faith should inconvenience us. It's certainly inconvenienced us and myself. But obviously, if you're on a very, very tight budget, if, if like Ronke, you know, you're, you're, you're wondering how you're going to make it to the end of the month, it may just be. It may just be that, that you have to decide that, you know, okay, well, this month, you know, kids, how do you feel about this? We're not going to go to McDonald's and buy Happy Meals. I mean, not that I recommend that particularly anyway, but just off the top of my head, you know? We're going to put that money in a jam jar, and we're going to save it up, and we're going to give it to the church. Do you know the real, the, thing, the fact of the matter is, is that, if you, were to just, if you were a drinking man and forwent for a, a couple of pints, that would probably be about six quid. And if that was every week, six quid, multiplied by 52 weeks, that's 300 quid. And if you gift aided it, it would be worth nearly 500 quid. And you've just done something quite significant. You know, little sacrifices, when given to God, really add up to big things. And so every single one of us, I, ch I challenge you to pray about this if you haven't already done so. To seek God's face on this and then do what your heart tells you. But let equality be your God. Remember those who are or have already made sacrifices. Remember how, and think how you can play your part. And that's how this campaign, that's how we will all grow up as we go forward. We will grow up in Christ. That test of our faith will prove to be deep and real and tangible, not just frothy and, and airy-fairy and unsubstantial. It will be that thing which, which actually moves us forwards. So gather, grow, give. That's what we've always carried with us, gather, grow, give. We want to gather all who are seeking and searching for Christ. We want to make Christ known. And even in this, even in this act of giving, as we seek to, 
extend our premises so that we can reach out to the poor, so that we can extend our youth ministry, so we can extend our children's ministry, so we can extend all the, the, the ministry of this place. As we do that, as we grow in order to serve all the more effectively, even that, we can model giving, sacrificial giving, giving that challenges people when they say, well, how did you get that place? Did you get a lottery grant? No, we paid for it ourselves. You paid for it yourself? I've often been asked about this place. How did you raise the money? We paid for it ourselves, 400 members at the time. And we have 1,000 members on our, on our list now. We actually have 1,400 members, but we reckon, I've asked the admin office to work out, you know, who, how many active people have we got? Because people from overseas now join our membership thing. And about 1,000. We should be able to do this, even in these austere times. If we stick to biblical principles, if we seek God first and give ourselves to him and then to one another. Okay, let's stand and let's pray. Can I have the worship team back up? Father, there are many lessons to learn from scripture. Yes, lessons that we can learn from the teachings of Jesus but also lessons to be learned in the scriptures about our spiritual forebears and, and how they handled the challenges of the day. And Lord, here we have this, this great challenge. Lord, it seems great to us, but it's not great to you. It's just a day's work for you, Lord God, if that. It's just a word, if that. And Lord God, we pray now that as we present ourselves to you, that we would be found faithful, that as you challenge us and test us to deepen our faith and trust in you. May we not shirk, Lord God. May we not stand back and let others take more of the load. May we be amongst those who take our place and give in a manner that inconveniences us. And we ask it all in Jesus's precious name. And everyone said, amen. Now, during this final song, if you wouldn't mind just looking at the end of your uh, rows again, those of you who are on the end of it, can we just hang on a sec? Uh, uh, if we can pick up those, and we are going to take up a special offering now for, for the growing family. So let me, let me just commend that to you, and thank you, Joe. Thank you. <laughs>